You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week, guys. Uh, we've got my buddy John Hudspeth on from Oklahoma. If you've not listened to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast on the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network, it's a really, really high-quality show. John is putting out some great content, uh, and I wanted to have him on. John has a heck of a fall lined up. He's going to be headed to Nebraska for that September opener. He will be hunting the magical state of Iowa this year in uh, in November, I think he said it was going to be. And then, obviously, he's going to be hunting there in Oklahoma, uh, where he typically does really, really well. And I think he said he's going to be hunting Texas also. So, uh, when it comes to dream season, John has it stacked. Like he's got uh, four of what many people consider destination whitetail states on the docket for this fall. So it should be an awesome season. I'm looking forward to catching up with him later on to kind of hear, all right, how did it go? Did things live up to your expectations? But in this episode, we talk a little bit about the hunts, kind of, you know, a little bit about his thought process as he's approaching these different hunts, especially because they're very, very different times of year, you know early September opener versus a rut hunt versus, you know, hunting in Oklahoma pre-rut and then obviously late season. And so wanted to get kind of his thoughts as far as how he's going to be approaching each of these hunts, but then also hear a little bit about how he is going to be setting his standards and sort of what his goals are walking away from this season. This is a season that many of us would dream of and uh, I can't wait to see how it turns out for John. You know what? It couldn't be happening for a better guy. I mean, John's just one of those dudes. Um, it's just a great guy. I mean, in fact, when we, re- when we recorded this episode, uh, I actually had gotten stood up by three different people in the same, you know, basically 24-hour time frame that I had scheduled to record uh, an episode with me for the How to Hunt Deer podcast. So I sent out an email real quick to a bunch of buddies, said, hey, Anybody got some time that can hop on the show? John was immediately like, yes, absolutely. I'll make it work today. So um, that's just kind of the guy he is. So I am really rooting for him this season, Um, you know, hoping he has a ton of success. But either way, looking forward to having him back on the show. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with John Hudspeth. Hope you enjoy the show. All right, joining me for this week's episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast is Mr. John Hudspeth from Oklahoma. John, what's going on? Not much, man. We, uh, we've been extremely hot, but, uh, other than that, not a lot going on. Yeah, man, you're used to the heat. You are the host of the Oklahoma outdoors podcast on our network. You do a great job with great job with that. Uh, listeners to the show will recognize you from some of the, uh, deer camp episodes from Mm -hmm. last fall and probably remember that you've got, you know, some pretty good hunting over there in Oklahoma. I like to, I like to give you a hard time because, uh, Oklahoma is one of those states that, is growing in its publicity right Mm -hmm. like more and more people are talking about oklahoma more and more people are visiting oklahoma uh the cat's out of the bag that not only do they have a pretty uh pretty liberal bag limit there but there's also some pretty good bucks 
There are. And, you know, one thing that is, I don't know, I don't know how you want to say whether it's hurting or helping us, but part of, I think, why that popularity is growing is you're seeing so many other states limit non-residents. Um, like we'll talk about in a second. I'm going to Nebraska this year. They're one of the latest ones. I think South Dakota maybe just lim- limited the non-residents, and Oklahoma has not done that yet. And so I think part of our growing interest is just that we're becoming one of the last, you know, pretty good states to have just over the counter tags, which is something I never would have imagined five to 10 years ago, you know, states limiting uh, non-residents and stuff and kind of unfortunate because I feel like I'm just now getting into the the traveling hunting stuff. And now those, those uh, opportunities are becoming more limited, but, but yeah, we, we have a great uh, deer population. Um, I think our state agency actually does a really good job of, of managing the deer and everything. So it, we're, we're pretty blessed. Man. One of the states that is, uh, you know, one of my favorites Wisconsin, obviously, they are switching over, uh, not switching over, they are increasing the price of non-resident tags next year. Mm. And I think it's going to be a pretty good hike. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be yet, but I know, you know, a lot of states have started moving that direction, even down here in the South. Georgia has gone up, Alabama has gone up for non-residents. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing, man. From 2011 to now, I saw a chart the other day that showed the number of non-resident tags sold in the U.S., and just the the it's it the growth in the last twelve yeah. years of out of state mm-hmm. hunting has been absolutely insane. Absolutely, yeah. insane. I, I think it's I think it's YouTube. Honestly, yeah. I think you know just like us, you know, so many people are talking about it, promoting it. I mean, that's kind of where the buzz you know got put into my ear. Uh, which it's, it's great. You know, I'm glad that people are having these opportunities and and getting out there, but it's it's kind of unfortunate at the same time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, uh, man, let's let's talk about this season that you have mm-hmm. put together. I mean, you're an experienced deer hunter. Um, <clears throat> I think if I had somebody say, Josh, you've got to put money on, you know, a handful of people that you believe are going to get a deer this year. They're going to get a good buck. Like John Hudspeth would be near the top of that list because you have done exceptionally well, I feel like over the last couple of years uh, in Oklahoma. So let's kick things off and just talk about, you know, where you're hunting and, and kind of the, the ground that you've got maybe just a little bit and maybe what makes it so good because, man, you're, you're pretty automatic. And, and, and I say that you're also a pretty patient hunter too. You'll, you'll have pictures of like, hey, you saw this one, but passed him. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't have done it. Uh, first off, I, I appreciate that. That, that means a lot to me. Uh, and it's, it's not something that happened overnight. I, I can definitely assure you that, but, uh, but yeah, like I said, we're, we're pretty fortunate. Um, I, I've, I did not grow up in a hunting family really by any means. Um, my grandpa hunted a little bit. My dad did some bird hunting when he was younger. Um, my, my brothers never really got into hunting fully, uh, but it just, it just bit me. Um, and so I've been, uh, hard into it, but I have been fortunate. Uh, pretty much all of my family is in ag of one way or the other. Uh, my grandpa had a big farm. The other side of my family has always been in the cattle business. Uh, my family's in the cattle business. And so I've always had access just to property and the, the property that we're hunting now is, um, it's, it's kind of unique and, and that's basically kind of where a lot of my success has come from. If, if, if I were to say, hey, design the perfect deer hunting property, 
where I hunt now is the exact opposite of, of what you would design. <laughs> I thought you were going to, um, I thought you were going to say, no. this is what you would design, man. It's great. I, I, I know it. Yeah, no, uh. it is. It's wide open cattle country. Um, you know, 80% of our property is Bermuda grass pasture, which I think if you had to pick one grass to be the worst for almost any wildlife, it would be Bermuda. Um, it's like a carpet grass grows real thick, but that's why it's great for cattle. Um, and, and most of our neighbors are the same way, but, uh, but yeah, this, this little area where we're at, it does like our place was actually uh, the previous owner completely clear cut it in 2008. I mean, took out almost every tree except for the ones right along the Creek. Um, but because of that, there's this one area in the back where I do most of my hunting that it's just hard to get to. There's a big Creek. Um, the fences aren't very good. It's pretty rough. There's like a big Canyon draw thing back there. And so that's kind of my little area and it's, it's really far away from any public road. And so basically it's kind of the center of like, it's in the center of like a big square of roads. So all the, all of our neighbors and stuff, it's like the back of their places also. And it's the back of our place. So it's just hard to get back there. Um, and it just kind of has this little, nice little, uh, own population of whitetails. And again, because most of our neighbors are, our farmers and ranchers, a lot of them just don't hunt that much. Um, and so, yeah, I, I get a, a nice little population of not very heavily hunted, kind of secluded whitetails that they get to chase. And just kind of the way it lays out with uh, the rolling hills and these saddles and stuff, deer movement can be fairly um, easy to pick up on, you know, especially now that I have a few years of experience. And so, yeah, it's I, I'm very fortunate. Um I'm, and I'm basically just kind of making the best out of a kind of a weird situation. Yeah. And man, you guys have done a good job of letting that. And I don't know what it was like when you took it over, but mm -hmm. you've done a good job of letting those bucks get into an older age class. And mm -hmm. that has translated to some really big, uh, really big deer. I mean, you've got, you've got this kick going with, you know, about 150 inch 10 points that uh, mm -hmm. seems to be like mass produced on your place. Yeah. Which is a dream come true for me because <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many, you know, like 125 to 135, eight points I've killed in my lifetime like that. And, <laughs> and ever since I was a little kid, my dream was that just beautiful, perfect 10. Um, but yeah, over the last uh, probably three years, I think I've killed five, typical 10 points, uh, you know, between Oklahoma and Texas and everything. So yeah, it, it's kind of turned into a, a dream come true. So it's, I, I'm very fortunate. I, like, believe me, I, I realize how fortunate I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so who all is hunting that place? I mean, do you guys have a big crew of guys or is it just a handful? It's pretty much me. Um, okay. my, my brother hunts a little bit, but he hasn't killed a, a buck in a few years. I think he killed one three years ago. Um, he does have kids and his oldest hunted for the first time last year, uh, and took a, a buck. And so I'm, over the next few years, I'm probably going to have a little bit of a competition, but for the most part, it's just me. And, uh, you know, I've let a, a few buddies come and take some kind of management type deer. Uh, but I, I do have really good control over what happens. Um, and again, you know, I can't control the neighbors and I've talked about on my show, one of the places, uh, to the South of us, unfortunately just got bought and broken up into much smaller pieces. And so I don't know how much longer my little Haven's going to last. Um, but so far it, it's not looking too terrible. Yeah, man. That's one of my, my fears. Like I've always dreamed just like many outdoorsmen 
of buying my own little piece of ground, right? And it's fluctuated over the years of how much I think I need or how little I think I can get away with. But, you know, one of the things that concerns me is I'm seeing guys or even my family where, you know, you've got this piece of ground and it's really good ground. And then you 15 years later, 20 years later, now all of a sudden the landscape has changed. There's housing developments right down the road. Um, you know, everything's breaking up and being fractured off and that can change the quality of hunting dramatically mm-hmm. and not for the better. And so it, it creates some concern in me, man. Yeah. You know, this place, it was 400 acres and it's now 10 40 acre tracks. Wow. That's how they split it up. And, you know, we're pretty rural. We're pretty out there. So it's not like somebody's going to buy it to build their big, massive dream home. And you're like a little horse ranch. Like most likely the people who are buying it are like you and I, who are you know looking for their little 40 acre chunk to, to do a little deer hunting on. And so again, don't know that for a fact, you know, I don't know who's buying it, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. I can tell you that much. Yeah, man, that's a bummer. But you know, one thing that's not a bummer is the deer season that you mm-hmm. have mapped out for this year, man. I, I feel like it was yesterday. I was listening to an episode of the Oklahoma outdoors podcast. You're talking with Tony Peterson about your first trip out to Nebraska and great episode. I'm taking notes and stuff, and now here you are getting ready for another trip to Nebraska um, with, I mean, you you learned so much on that trip. Not only did you learn a ton, I think you picked up permission on more ground while you were mm-hmm. out there. So now you're going in geared up, but you don't just have Nebraska this year. You obviously have Oklahoma and Texas, which are kind of normal for you, but then you drew the big daddy of all whitetail tags, uh, that coveted Iowa tag this year. Yeah, uh, this has been a season that I, or this will be a season that I've been dreaming about uh, for, I mean, ever since I was a little kid. Um, and it all kind of came together perfectly. Um, I, 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 honestly, I don't think I could have planned it this well, just kind of the way everything lined out. You know, my, my sister just moved to Nebraska a year or two ago. And so that was kind of an added bonus. And it's also a bonus that they have the earlier season so that that kind of didn't interfere with my other stuff. And then, yeah, I, I, I might could have drawn the Iowa tag last year, but um, last year I ended up going to Colorado on an elk hunt where, you know, the famous truck getting stolen story and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and so I've been trying to, you know, get this Iowa tag and time it out when I wanted to go. And it just so happened to line up perfectly this year. And so, so yeah, we, I have, what could be a fantastic season lined up. I feel like I'm setting myself up for failure almost uh, just with the, with how perfectly it's all lined up. And, uh, and then, yeah, here at home, you know, we, we, we're actually, I think we're still technically behind on annual rainfall, but just kind of the rain we have gotten has been like perfectly timed. Mm. Uh, you know, like we'd get some rain, it wouldn't rain for like 10 days and then we'd get another big rain and then it'd be dry. And then we get another rain. And, and I did some spring food plots this year for the first time that just turned out beautiful. And so, yeah, running around the home place uh my buddy that lets me hunt uh his lease in in texas has some good deer and i pretty much have an open invitation out there and so it's it's lining up to maybe be a special season yeah so let let's kick things off then talking about this nebraska tag that you've got uh you're heading out there for their early season obviously they have the september one opener chance to chase some velvet bucks um did you have to do anything different to get that tag this year did they change things up 
They did. So this year, for the first year ever, they have limited non-residents. And so they actually did that in the spring with turkey tags this year also. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was aware of it. Um, I was sitting at my computer when they went live at 1 p.m., whatever it was. And uh, and so I, I did get a tag. I just had to make sure I was there. Um, I haven't checked back. I, I, I'm sure they, I assume they've sold out. I don't know that for a fact. Maybe they haven't. Maybe not that many people uh, knew about it. Um, but yeah, so I got a tag and uh, I actually went up there and did some turkey hunting this spring, which was big. Um, one thing that I learned last time, so last time I went last year, uh, I only got to go for two days. It was just a weekend. You know, I didn't have any time off work because I was saving it uh, for the elk hunt. And so I basically left like Friday afternoon hunted Saturday and Sunday, Monday was a holiday and I drove back on Monday. Um, and so I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but while I was there, I was talking to my sister's father-in-law who was born and raised there, you know, knows everybody around. And, and I was asking him about this one, how to get to this one chunk of property that they owned that had a big, deep Creek, like not one you're, you're going to wait across. And he's kind of looked at me like I was dumb. It was like, well, just, you know, go around on the neighbor's. And I was like, can I do that? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's just Bill or whatever. And I was like, well, if you wouldn't mind, would you maybe, like, call him to ask and double check? And he's like, yeah, I can do that. I was like, while you're at it, would you mind asking him if I can, you know, hunt on his place? And so, like, 10 minutes later, he's like, yeah, like, he says, you know, do whatever. And so I was like, all right, sweet. And uh, so I ended up getting to hunt that place, didn't get a buck. And so anyway, but after I learned that before I left on Monday, I took a little time to kind of drive around the neighborhood because uh, he had told me like, yeah, you know, talk to so-and-so. That's where we used to see all the big deer. And so when I was up there this spring, I got on Onyx and and called him. I was like, hey, like, could you talk to these people and these people? He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. And so I got, I think I added up at one point, I think between their land and two or three of the neighbors that we asked, I got like a thousand acres to hunt now. Wow. Just, just like that. Yeah. And I think a big part of it that one, you know, like he knows them all. Um, but, uh, I think archery hunting has a big part of it. I think if I was right. asking to rifle hunt there, I don't think I could get permission that easy, but I right. think a lot of those kind of old timers are like, Oh, well, you're not going to kill anything with a bow anyway. So go ahead. <laughs> um, which which was everything. true last year was true. Uh, and then, uh, I feel like I had one more point with that. Oh, like in talking with my sister and stuff, like just kind of the good old boy culture in those real rural areas. Like it's almost rude if you say no to something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I think if I, if I was just some total stranger going up and knocking on the door, I don't know if I would be that lucky, but just kind of with the neighbor and everything. So, so yeah, so between the permission and the scouting I did during turkey season, I'm feeling very good. And then one thing I did last year, this is a tip for people that I kind of thought of on the fly. When I was driving around looking around, I got on Onyx and I marked the different fields with what crop was planted. And so you know, and I put a year on there. I think that was important. So in 2022, I was like, Hey, this field is beans. This field is corn. This field is whatever. And so going this year, just assuming that those all, you know, flipped, um, I can kind of plan ahead, even though I haven't actually been there to be like, okay, this field is probably corn. This field is probably beans. And I think that's going to help me a lot too. Cause last year, like I, I tried to get my sister to, to help me out. And, you know, I was trying to like describe on Google earth, which field I was talking about. And, and like, 
you know, she kind of grew up in the country, but I don't know if she knows the difference between Milo and corn and beans and all that stuff. And so, so I feel like making those notes helped me. And so, yeah, all that to say, very excited about my, my Nebraska trip. So you have done some scouting out there. You're kind of familiar with the lay of the land, which mm-hmm. you got one of the big things, which is scale. I mean, to me, mm-hmm. showing up to places that I've never been to before, um, and I typically on an out-of-state trip will drive through the night, arrive in the morning, and I'll just get out of my truck in the dark and go hunt, which is wild because yeah. you, you have no <laughs> idea of scale. You can look at a map until your eyes go crossed and not yeah. quite grasp the scale. So you've got that like really important piece. Do you have trail cameras out there? Have you done any summer glassing? You know, what work are you doing to make sure that you're getting on something? Or are you just giving yourself enough of a window where you're going to get there on the ground and figure it out as you go? A little bit of everything. So I did leave three trail cameras out, um, two on the ground that they own and one on one of the permission pieces. And so I will have that. They're not cell cams or anything, so I have to wait till I, I get there to check them. Um I obviously I have not done any summer scouting, but one advantage I have is my, my sister and uh, her husband just built a house and it's built up on this big hill that actually overlooks that neighbor um, that I'm kind of putting a lot of my eggs in that basket. And so if I wanted to, I could sit on their porch and do quite a bit of glassing from there. Um, and that's, I still got to kind of play out in my mind whether it's worth it to do that or just kind of get in there and hunt, you know, that type of deal. Um, I feel like there's a third part that I'm missing on your question there, but, um, all that to say, I, I, I have a little bit of pre-done homework. Um, but I think a lot of it is really just going to come down to what I saw in the spring. And, you know, I, I found some really good trails and one thing that kind of hurt me last year, which is going to work to my advantage this year is I feel like everywhere I went last year, the crops were backwards. Like where I wanted it to be corn, it was beans. Where I wanted it to be beans, it was corn. And so that's one reason I'm really excited that I'm going this year is because this year it's going to be set up to where it's exactly how, like if I could design it, this is how I'd want it. And so I have one spot in particular in my mind where I don't know why they planted it this way, but they split this field in half, kind of diag- like you'd cut a sandwich diagonally. Mm-hmm. And one triangle is beans and one triangle is corn. And where that corner meets, one side is CRP, one side is timber, and there's a creek right there. And so you have four different oh my habitat. Yeah, so you have you know you have two different types of cover, you have two different food sources, really three different types of cover if you count the corn. Um, and so yeah, I, I've, I've depending on what the wind does, I could set up in that timber, I could set up on the edge of that corn, and I'm. I'm ready. Like that's my spot. I already Man. got it. We'll see if it works out the way I think it does, but I feel like that's going to be a pretty good spot. Hey guys, just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the how to hunt deer podcast is brought to you by Tacticam makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers. They're on the cutting edge, making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones. Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with the 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. 
To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. That spot's going to be money this year, I feel mm-hmm. like. Um, so you're obviously going in there for, for an early season kind of hunt. Mm-hmm. And early season can be fickle when you're hunting like a September 1 opener, right? Like it can either be, hey, mm-hmm. they're really still on a summer pattern. This is really good. Or it can be, oh, man, food sources are really shifting right now. It can be tough to get back on a deer. Um, mm-hmm. So what's your what's your strategy and thought process as you are kind of heading into this? So that's a great question because I, I really have zero experience hunting this early in the year. You know, Oklahoma does has always had an October 1 opener, um, and I feel like we always hit that transition where deer kind of moving from their summit or their fall pattern in Oklahoma. And so I I think, you know, being that early, I'm going to say food is still the big thing, right? Uh, food and and water. Um, and the, the, the episode that you were referring to earlier where I went last year, um, I learned so much because it was just, it was so much different than what I was used to hunting, but whitetails are still whitetail. And I learned so much about, edge, how deer use edge, how they seek it out. You know, I'd be walking along a Creek with that backs up to CRP and like every overhanging branch had a deer bed underneath it mm. because they love that edge. They, right. you know, they could smell through the cover they had could escape through the Creek. And so, um, yeah, just, just watching how they follow that edge, use that edge and probably most likely heading to food is kind of what I'm basing my entire strategy around. Yeah. Are you, how long do you have? Uh, that's a great question. So I have Friday, Saturday, Sunday for sure. Again, Monday's a holiday cause it's Labor Day weekend. And so I could stay and hunt Monday if I need to. So probably four hunting days. Okay. Are you going to be really hammering it in the mornings or are you going to kind of play it, play it easy? That's a great question. Uh, last year I had some car trouble on the way up and I ended up not getting there till about, I think like two in the morning. And so I was so dead. I ended up not hunting a lot of mornings cause I just couldn't catch up on sleep. Sure. Uh, but this time I'm, I'm getting up there nice and early. And so I, if I, if I was a betting man, I think the first morning or two would be when I would be getting on the glass yeah. instead of hunting. Right. And then, you know, if I haven't got anything done, I could definitely see myself hunting the last morning or two. Yeah. So this spot that you're, that you're referring to, that's kind of, you know, really set, setting up really nice. Um, I think of those spots as kind of like X marks the spot right there, right? You've got four different, mm-hmm. you know, major draws right there coming together all in one place. Can you glass that spot effectively? I can. I think so. Yeah, it would be from the road. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I could do some glass in there. Dude, that first that first morning I'd be all over it glassing it, man. That's yeah. going to be that's yeah. gonna be awesome. Yeah. My plan, if everything goes – so my, my wife is actually going to be out of town in another country. She's going on a mission trip. And so – and I, I believe I have it worked out with my mom to keep my daughter. And so if everything goes according to plan, uh, I should be up there – the afternoon before the opener. And so my hope is to do some glassing that evening and kind of confirm what I think is going to be going on. Yeah. Just don't, just don't stay in a hotel and park your truck in a no, hotel no. parking lot. No, no. Because absolutely uh, straight shot. <laughs> for those of you who haven't heard that story, uh, there was a, a truck stolen and all kinds of stuff for your elk trip last year. And do you mm-hmm. know what episode off the top of your head that is? 
I do not. It would have been uh, it would have been right around a hundred because I think I did my hundredth episode in November and it got stolen in November. So okay. it would have been right around. Yeah. Yeah. You should definitely go listen to that episode. Quite a saga. Got the truck back, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yep. Uh, so that's yep. good. Well, man, let's let's shift now. I mean, that's what an outstanding hunt. I mean, Nebraska is on my list of places to hunt, and it's it's on there because of that September one opener. And just how different it would be to be able to really sit back in glass deer uh, and then make a strategy from there and make a play on them. Mm-hmm. So then you're, you're moving from Nebraska back to Oklahoma, and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're not shifting right into whitetail mode just yet when you get back. Correct. There's a chance uh, I'll be try- trying to chase bears the first weekend. Most people aren't aware, but Oklahoma actually has a bear season and a decent bear population that's ever-growing from everything I hear. Um but it's a very it's a very challenging hunt. Uh, so the way they purposely kind of set the season up to where it starts a little later in the year. Uh, so it's an October one opener, and all the research I've ever done on bears is like they will be, and we can bait. That's an important part. Uh, bears are super easy to bait up until like that kind of third week in September, depending on the year. And then basically about that time, acorns start falling. Right. And bears, kind of like whitetails, they will actually choose acorns over most bait. And so my brother and I were actually, we were on a lease. uh, It's been like four years ago now, I think. And we both had, we had the barrel with a tree stand and all that. And we both had a really nice big bear coming in clockwork every day. And then uh, I think it was like four or five days before the season opened, we had a big windstorm knocked all the acorns down and we like never saw another bear the rest of the season. So, um, so yeah. And, and I don't like our place does not have bears. And so I'll either be on a friend of my brothers or just trying public land. And, uh, I just uh, opening weekend deer wise has never been good for me. It's just so hot down here. Um, I've just never had good luck. And so uh, basically instead of, sweating it out to most likely not kill a whitetail. I was like, might as well go sweat it out to most likely not kill a bear, but there's a chance <laughs> I could kill a bear. And so that's kind of what I'm shooting for. And you've always got that whitetail uh, tag in your pocket. Correct. Yeah. And so if I was on, uh, you know, the buddy's place, I wouldn't be able to shoot a deer, but if I did go to public, I could shoot either. And so my plan there is basically just to head up into the mountains on a, a piece of public land and probably set up in a saddle. Uh, you can't, you can't bait bears on public, uh, only private. And so, like I said, my plan would just be try to get as remote as I can set up in some kind of travel corridor and cross my fingers. Yeah. So you guys have been pretty dry this year, huh? We have. Yeah. Like I said, we got those lucky rains early on, but, uh, yeah, Southern, Southern Oklahoma and North Texas are on track right now to break a record for most days over a hundred. I think we're sitting in the twenties, something like that. And then, um, in our area, we got a little bit of rain just a few days ago, a little bit, but I want to say we've only had like two measurable rains since July 1st. So it's, it's been really dry as of late. Yeah. I really like it, you know, down here in the South, whenever we have a, a drier summer and a hotter summer, because Mm -hmm. that means those probably, you're probably not going to have a great acorn crop, which, you know, for us has always meant 
our our bait sites are better bef- you know heading into the season as we're we've got cameras on them but then our food plots just perform so much mm-hmm. better so i'm i'm thinking yeah. if you can get you know if, if things work out to where there's not a good acorn crop you could have a pretty good shot Absolutely. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen, it looks like we are going to have a good acorn crop oh, because okay. of those early All rains. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which is really bad for us because as I mentioned, our place was pretty much completely clear cut. Um, so we don't have any of those big, nice oaks. We're getting some that I've been kind of working on and thinning that are getting up there. Um, but basically three of our neighbors, you know, surrounding us have a ton of big, nice, acorn tree you know oaks and everything so so yeah acorn good acorn years are really hard on me in particular because we just don't have those big trees yeah when do y'all see them shift back typically i mean i know for us it's you know depending on where you're at it can be a long season because those acorns Mm -hmm. i mean you'll have you know white oaks start dropping earlier in the season then you get your red oaks that start to drop and then we've got some other species of oaks that will drop on into january down here Mm -hmm. which just blows your mind on good acorn years because it's like i don't know where all the deer are and i'm not even sure there are any deer left because i'm i think they're all gone Um, yeah that's a good question so like i said ours normally start falling kind of mid to late september and and the deer hit them really hard at first i think it's kind of like you know they've been waiting on halloween they've been waiting on that candy all year and when it comes they just kind of dive into it but after a few weeks like usually by the end of october you'll see them start kind of hitting the feeders again out in the food plots. And one kind of good things about our, our place is it is kind of a transition. And so we do catch a lot of deer kind of going from one place to the other. Like I said, we have some, some hills and some saddles. And so you can still catch some deer going through there, but yeah, early October is, is really hard on me in particular. Right. So October probably going to be bear focused. Maybe later October you might start getting into into a whitetail kind of mood, but then November's mm-hmm. gonna roll around. And like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, you've got the big daddy of all whitetail tags in Iowa. So tell me, you know, tell me what has gone into planning this trip and maybe round about where you're gonna be. Just quadrant of yeah. the state. Let's just go that far. Right. Yeah. It's no yeah. it's no secret where's good in Iowa at this point, but mm-hmm. we don't wanna point people there unnecessarily. Right. Well, that's been kind of one interesting thing. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to give a county, but I'm I'm okay saying that I'm hunting Unit Five because it's not like you can go buy a tag right now and be my competition. So, right, right. Uh, you know, anybody anybody who's going to be hunting there with me already knows that they're going there. So, yeah, Unit Five, one of the, one of the better units in the state. And I'll, I'll probably have some questions for you during this or some uh i'll be asking your opinion because i've been all over the place um and i I had dan on uh my show when i found out i drew the tag dan's an iowa native and so kind of got his thought on it because i guess first and foremost uh i heard it somewhere a couple years ago and it's always stuck with me and and i'll i'll give the same advice to to all the listeners or anybody who might be putting in for this tag uh but anyway this person said if you draw that tag you need to plan to make a real trip, you know, don't go weekend warrior it basically. Uh, and so I kind of took that to heart. And so I'm taking a full week off of work plus a weekend on each end. And so I will probably be in Iowa for like eight to nine days. Like that's, that's what I'm, I have booked out. If I, you know, kill one early, great, but I'm, I'm ready to stay for eight or nine days. And so 
when I first started looking at the trip, um, again, I, I, I thought I was going to have access to some private, but I wasn't sure I had some trouble getting a hold of the guy. And so I was kind of banking on doing the public thing. Um, I, for me personally, like I just don't have much of a desire to hunt whitetails with an outfitter just because I have done quite a bit of hunting. I, I have killed some, some good deer. You know, if I was coming from a state that, you know, didn't have great deer and this was truly my one chance to kill, you know, the biggest buck of my entire life, I would definitely consider the outfitter thing more. Um, but for me, a big reason I wanted to go was just to experience some crazy Iowa whitetail hunting, you know, right. some, some crazy rut action, uh, watching big bucks, you know, run all over the place, which I realize is not getting necessarily just happen automatically. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going almost more for the experience than I am the big deer. That being said, I will definitely be trying to kill a big deer. So, uh, so timing wise, um, you know, I'd heard some people talk about how, you know, any, any big celebrity hunter talks about that, like no November 6th and 7th, like that's their day, do whatever you gotta do to be in the woods. Uh, but I've heard people who have hunted Iowa talk about how that's almost like a curse because that is when everybody wants to hunt because all these people say hunt. And so when I first drew this tag, I was actually thinking about waiting to go until like the second to third week of November. Um, and a lot of different reasons. One, hopefully cut down on the crowd. Two, I've heard that that's when a lot of the really bigger deer are killed, kind of that later November. Um, three, you, like I feel like sometimes you can get a, the bucks being a little bit more desperate, you know, trying to catch those last does. So you may not see as many deer. You may not see as many bucks, but you have a good chance of seeing one. And if you see one, it could be a really good one. So that was kind of my thinking going into it when I was banking on the public land deal. Um, then my, the buddy that I was talking about got back to me. He said, Hey, come on. And so, so now I'm kind of in a different basket because I, I think I'm going to have access to some really, really good, well-managed private land and just kind of being in the area where that, you know, that unit five area, like people don't just, hunt there to hunt you know everybody who's in that area is managing for big deer and so uh so yeah that being said i'm kind of back more towards that first week of november because like i said if i do have access to that private land i'm not as worried about the crowds i'm not as worried about the competition i think i can kind of separate myself and uh so yeah so now i'm leaning uh i believe the first weekend that first saturday of november i believe is november 4th and so my plan is to leave either third or fourth, head up there and spend that whole entire next week and into the last weekend there. Very nice. I think that's a good plan, man. I one of the now I haven't hunted Iowa, but hunting Wisconsin, everybody that has private land that's well managed, they want to go that last few days of October into the first couple of days of November. And I think that's because number one, <clears throat> those unpressured big bucks are up on their feet, right? They're up and moving. Two, I think if you've got a buck that you've been watching on trail camera, he's still going to be hugging tight to where you can generally expect him to be. So I've been able to, in that time, key in on kind of a circuit almost, where it's like you're getting that buck daily or every other day coming through in daylight in a in a pretty tight area, right? He's, he's sticking with a group of does there. Um, as you get into the later, you know, second week of October, of November 
even into that third week of November in Wisconsin, that has been when I've seen the the really big ones. And mm-hmm. it'll be ones you didn't get a trail camera picture for of before. You've never seen the buck before, but all of a sudden that 160 comes blasting past your stand with his nose to the ground, and you're like, wait a second. Where did where did that guy come from? You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think you're making a good move, especially because you've got that ground where you know people there. They're going to know the bucks that are on their place. They're going to be able to have a pretty good idea of, hey, this one's been hanging out in this, you know, 40-acre chunk maybe. Um, so I, I think I think you're making the right call. If you were doing public, I might say that second week of November, uh, one, to cut down on some of that pressure. You get in that second week, you lose the guys who took the November 1st through 7th as their, you know, vacation for the mm-hmm. year. Uh, yep. And then, you know, later on as you get to like that 13, 14, 15, that's really when I've seen some of the – some of the bigger ones. Now, I haven't mm. been able to get an arrow into any of them, but we're talking big, big, big deer. Um, yeah. So that's just my my mm. two cents on it. But um, what are your what are your standards as you head into Iowa? I mean, you're hunting <laughs> a place where in in Oklahoma, you're hunting a place where you can you can. I mean, you're like I said, you're like automatic man. You're gonna you get good deer in Oklahoma. You're very successful there in Oklahoma. So what do your standards look like when you go to Iowa? I mean, you're leaving a really good place to go to the whitetail Mecca. And so I don't even know how you should even conceptualize, like, what are you holding out for? I, I was going to ask you the same question, actually, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, for me, because I don't know. That is something that I am continually battling with myself. Right. Um, and again, the, the whole private land thing adds a little bit to it. And also, you know, I will at some point, I haven't had the conversation yet, but I need to get with the landowner and kind of feel him out for what I have. You know, he might have, he might have a buck or two. He doesn't want me to kill because he wants it for himself. Um, he also, you know, like, you know, when I was talking to Dan, he was like, you could very easily sit down and rattle in a 140 inch three-year-old. Right. And you know, like that's a weird thing. Like I would, I would love that deer, like, you know, going on an out of state hunt where I've never stepped foot. Like that is a very good deer. Um, but again, maybe this landowner doesn't want me to shoot a three-year-old. Uh, so I need to have that conversation with him. Um, but for me personally, like I said, I, I, I'm very fortunate, as you mentioned with being in Oklahoma, like I am going there, unlike a lot of people knowing that there's a good chance I will not kill the biggest buck of my life. Is it possible? Yes. But I think there's a very good chance I will not kill the biggest buck of my life. Um, that being said, I think there is a very real possibility. And I think this is going to be kind of my goal to kill my biggest archery buck, um, which would be in the one forties. Um, and so that is kind of, I think where my mind is at. Um, I do think the landowner is going to be very helpful, showing me some pictures, giving me some good areas. And I, I have a feeling he'll kind of have some deer picked out for me because we had that conversation in the past of, uh, you know, like some management deer and I'm doing air quotes. I don't know if the listeners can see me, but <laughs> you know, they, they would have very, very good management deer, you know, an older deer that's maybe on the decline, uh, or, you know, maybe one that has undesirable traits, you know, something like that. Um, and so a, a management archery buck there would probably be be something I would be setting my sights on here as well. Um, so, so that's kind of where my mind is at with that. Um, you know, again, like I would love to go and 
kill a 190, a 200 inch deer. I actually asked Dan which tree they were behind because there's so many of them in Iowa. <laughs> you know, I, I was hoping he could just tell me where to go, but, um, but no, I, I'm trying to still be realistic. Um, and again, going back to kind of how we started this, like my mindset is the experience. Uh, I, I have not done that much out of state whitetail hunting. I've done quite a bit of out of state hunting, but not for whitetail. And, uh, so I'm going for the experience. I'm going to learn, you know, like I said, when I went to Nebraska last year, I just learned so much that I could bring back to Oklahoma with me and make me more successful at home. And so that's, that's a big part of this trip, just experiencing the, the culture, experiencing the deer learning. And if I get a great buck, awesome. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I, th- I think that's a good move. I think you're going into it with the right perspective as well. I mean, I think a 140 inch deer in the area where you're going is, is doable. And with a, with a resume like yours of the deer that you have taken already, I think that you're setting your, I think you're setting your sights appropriately. Now, if you were saying, Hey, it's 160 or bust. mm, Okay. There, those are, those are still hard to come by. Like I don't Mm -hmm. care where you're at. Those, those are hard to come by from all the people that I've talked to though, for that Southeast Iowa, you know, kind of, experience you can generally expect to have some good encounters with deer in the 130s and 140s now whether or not you're going to seal the deal who knows but uh you know i I think that i think your shot i think your odds are are really really good especially because Mm -hmm. you've you've got eyes on the ground which is a huge step ahead um you know you're not having to go in and and find the deer i think that's probably one of the toughest things for somebody coming in as a non-resident into a state like iowa uh, and I learned this a little bit during turkey season while I was there, just the amount of sign that you're going to see is going to be overwhelming. Like it is, and, mm-hmm. and I don't know what kind of sign you typically expect there in Oklahoma, but I know walking into a, to an area and seeing just a deer trail look like the ones I saw in Iowa or the rubs and the, the number of rubs, like I don't, there's no such thing as a rub line because every tree around here that a deer can get his antlers around is rubbed. You know, like, or you get into an area with scrapes and there's no scrape line. It's just all scraped up, you know. Um, so I, I think that's a, a major hurdle that, that you're going to have some help getting past. But, man, when do, when do things start to really uh, get exciting there in Oklahoma as far as the rut goes? Are you going to be back in time for what you consider like your prime rut hunting there in Oklahoma as well? Yes and no. So I, I'm definitely giving up a little bit of my favorite time. Uh, actually, I just made a, had to make a correction on an episode that I haven't dropped on my own show yet. Um, they actually, just kind of the way the calendar fell, our muzzleloader season is pushed back a little bit. And uh, I don't know when this episode will drop, but I'm about to make a, I made a bold prediction. I've been listening to a lot of college football podcasts and everybody's about bold predictions before the season starts. I think that the Oklahoma state record muzzleloader buck could be broken this year. Um, We are having an incredible antler here with the rains I mentioned. And then Oklahoma or the, the muzzleloader season starts October 28th and goes until November 5th, which is, I I don't, I don't know if I haven't been muzzleloader hunting long, but I've never seen it go into November. It's usually that last week of October. And so you're talking about a great antler year mixed with a little bit later into November, early rut season. This could be a fantastic year to be a muzzleloader hunter in, in Oklahoma. So, but as those dates I just mentioned, I might be gone for that last weekend, which is normally kind of my bread and butter. And so 
what I thought was going to be the last weekend is actually the first weekend, that weekend of October 28th. And so I will probably still hunt that and then head to Iowa. So I am missing some pretty good stuff that first week in November. Um, that being said, I, I have killed more bucks in January than I have in November right. on our place. I'm, I love late season. Um, I got, I got two or three in late October, you know, that muzzleloader season. Um, but then I really like, I come into my own around Christmas. Like that is my go-to. Um, the last two years I've killed a buck with my bow out of the same stand on December 28th, um, right after Christmas. Um, I've killed several in January and so I, I am sad because I love hunting the rut. There's always that chance. Uh, dadgum 2% buck, which I know you're aware of. You know, I feel like that's when I have the best chance to kill him. And so I am giving a little bit of that up, um, but I, I'm going to Iowa, so it's hard to complain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, and I knew this about you, I mean, you put out an episode on it last year of how, uh, how good the late season has been for you. And I, as I think through, uh, you know, topics you and I should cover in the future – getting you back on this show to talk late season deer hunting is definitely up there at the top of my list. Because like you said, you've had some tremendous success, um, you know, with those late season deer, but man, if folks want to follow along with you, see more coming from you, hear your show, where can they find you? Oklahoma outdoor podcast is my show. That is also me on Instagram. Uh, I have a Facebook. I'm not very good at, about it. So Instagram is definitely the best way to reach out to me. Um, I love talking to people, interacting with people. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to hit me up there. And obviously the Sportsman's Empire. Yep, absolutely. So that the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast launches every Monday morning. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, 4 a.m. It's live. So if you're heading to the gym on a Monday morning or something like that, looking for something to listen to while you work out uh, or driving into work or whatever that may be, check out the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. John, appreciate your time today. And uh, man, I look forward to seeing what this season holds for you. Good. I appreciate it, man. Anytime, Josh. That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at howtohuntdeer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts.